Pittsburgh Steeler fans, welcome to this week's episode of Steelers Touch Down Under. I'm Matt Peverell and I'm joined by my co-host as always, Mark Davison. Mark, how's it going? Uh, I'm going all right, Matty. Bit bit upset, you know, with the, the Steelers losing and we're going to get into that today with our show being the Steelers' stolen season and, and all those kinds of things. Um, overall, this is probably one of the, the toughest losses I think I've I've seen in a long time. Um, yeah, the Steelers just didn't, to me, they didn't show up and from the first snap, 7-0, and we're like, okay, that's all, that's all right. The next minute, it was down 14-0, and then it just went all to shambles. So this is going to be... You know, like, I don't want to be too negative on this show. I, I try and be as positive as I can, but it's going to be an interesting show um, and to, to, to wrap things up as well. Yeah, that's it. I mean, you, I mean, you asked me the question when we got off air last week. <laughs> are the Steelers, if they, Mark said to me, for all the listeners um, to the, the, the audio podcast, if you're listening on replay or like the YouTube guys that are listening live right now, and we've got, you know, Ty in there, Thaddeus, Isaac Aguilera, you know, there's some regular names. Jared Devil as well, Boobash, Gyro, you know, so we're getting some of the regulars in now and we've already, I think it's almost like a hundred people sitting in there. But, well, you know, Mark said to me when we finished after last week, he said, Matt, you reckon they've got this? And I just said to him, yeah, you know what? The score might be tight, but Steelers have got this. Well, here we are a week later-ish and joining live from the future as we always do on our Sunday morning, your Saturday evening. And Steelers out of the playoffs this this weekend. You got to watch the Browns, who we played last week. You know, up against the Kansas City Chiefs, which I think the game's already kicked off. But no one expected to be here, and that's why you look at the title of today's show, which is "Why 2020 is the Steelers' Stolen Season." And we'll get into that in today's show. Um, but there's various reasons as to why this is the case. We're not going to just sit here and harp on last week's game. Everyone's had a week to sort of deal with that you know, the, the loss and, you know, it, we've, we're going to need more time to deal with it. But we also have got lots of news from this week. There's lots of things that can leave you either hopeful for the future or if I'm looking at some of the comments now, people are already taking issue with some of the stuff that's going to be happening, you know, um, in the Steelers' future for 2021 that's already been locked in. We'll get all into all of that in today's show. We're also toward the back end of the show. I mean, obviously raise questions throughout the show as always. But the back end, we're going to try to have, give you a good 10 to 15 minutes of Q&A, fan forum, you know, you can quench that angry thirst and in terms of reactions to last week games. You can query us, you know, query other guys out there of what's going to happen. But we want to give you guys a bit of a chance for a bit of a fan forum as well. But look, going to let's let's crack into it. So Mark, this week, I mean you talk about that loss. I mean that game, it was almost I mean you said it to me and Dave said it on the Dave Schofield said it on the Scobro show. The Steelers didn't look like they turned up to play. And you said it to me in, in, in chats as well. I mean, really, from Pouncey's first snap, it was a situation whereby the Steelers were looking at each other, waiting for someone else to make a play. You know, we talked about all, you know, there was so much chatter before last week's game about Steelers resting players and then being in a situation where would they be come up and would they perform? It wasn't even so much as the guys they rested didn't perform. The guys around them just waited for something to happen. Yeah, that's that's my major issue, I think, with this season and with this game. So, and I want to put it this way as best I can. And because we're all fans of the team, the Steelers team, BTSC, we're all great fans. We all buy our jerseys. We buy our tickets. We buy, um, we do everything as fans to love and support and cherish our team to do the best they can. 
So we put all that energy, all that energy goes into our Pittsburgh Steelers. And then what is so frustrating, and I love my team, I've loved them forever, and so have you guys in BTSC. But what is frustrating is, is when you put all that energy and the, the next minute you see a snap that is a, uh, a regular snap that happens all day, every day. Pounce has been in the league 10 years and he snaps it over someone's head and the next minute you've got an almost a safety but turns into a touchdown. 7-0, um, 14 minutes and 40 seconds left on the clock in the first quarter. That's okay, fine. Then Big Ben goes down the field and he, I think we get a first down and the next minute throws a duck egg, picked off. This one goes back 14-0, 21-0, 28-0 in the first quarter. And as a Steeler fan and any fan of any sport, if your team doesn't show up and doesn't want to play and they're too busy dancing, what's the point? Like, I, I love Shazier. I'm putting the Shazier jersey on. Like I got the Devon Bush, mate. I got his replacement. This is what we do to support our team. And yeah. they – like, I don't care if – this is my rant, but I don't care if we lose by three or seven. As long as we played a good game and the football was good, but Big Ben threw four interceptions and he threw four touchdowns. I can't remember the four touchdowns. All I remember is how how poor we played. Yeah, and it's something that you hit the nail on the head, Mark. Because the thing is, and everyone in the like this live chat right now, or anyone listening to the the podcast version of our show for this week, will know this feeling. You sat there in that first quarter and you went, "The Steelers aren't going to win this game." If you're on it, if you were use, if you're using your head, the Steelers aren't winning that game. But your heart's saying the Steelers are going to win this game. And I remember like the, some of the messages in the Slack channel for BTSC, and it was like they, they're out, they're out. And you and I were sitting there hopeful. I mean, everyone still had that hope, but most of us realistically going there out. I mean, the way they came back toward the last five minutes, or the way they started to show us in the last five minutes of that that um, second quarter. I ended up ringing up my betting company locally because, you know, you know, here in Australia, obviously, um, we can't bet live on things unless you call up. You can't do it through our electronic mm-hmm. systems. I rang them up. The Steelers were paying for every $1 you put on them, they were paying $11.50, right? They, they, would, have, they, they would have laughed at you. They, they <laughs> did. The woman said, are you sure about the Pittsburgh Steelers halfway through the game down? But she literally <laughs> said that to me. She says, this is the score. I said, yep, that's what I want. I'll take it. Put, I'll put, you know, 15 bucks on that. You know, if, I, if they win, I get a new jersey. I pay for my NFL game pass yeah. for next season, right? So I did it. And then you watch, and then you're hopeful. And then suddenly, like, I'm texting my fiance, you know, just for the fourth quarter. I'm like, the Steelers are down by 12. Can you believe it? I put 15 bucks on paying $11.50. It's coming off. And I, I'm known for coming back with some crazy bets. And she's like, oh, look, they'll, they'll, they should come home with it now. What have you? But it's a fan. It's just, I sat there with my head going, this is $15 that I probably could have watched and it would have been more interesting if I lit it on fire. But I still wanted to do it, you know? Like, I still... You still love the team that you want to do that. I mean, the Bush, the Devon Bush jersey I'm wearing right now, I had a Steelers order from the Steelers Pro Shop come this week. And I remember talking about it in the Slack channel going, oh, I might have to not open that, you know, this week. I might save it to, for the off-season round and draft and feel good about it. And then when it arrived, the day it arrived, I thought, I opened up and I went, no, nah, this is my team. Like, just yeah. because it's just because they lost, you know, wear that passion, wear that pride, wear it around everywhere. It hasn't stopped me wearing Steelers gear. I mean, had a debate with a fan in the NFL done under Facebook group the other day. He was a Patriots fan about it. He was trying to give, you know, the Steelers stick. You know, they didn't even make the playoffs. They, they can shove it. But you, you hit the nail on the head, Mark, there. It's, it, there's so much pain because we're so passionate as a fan base. 100%. And, like, it, yeah, they really just didn't show up. Like, I, I – and we I think we've seen this current theme. We're going to get into this show as well. Um, you know, like, like the good, bad, and the ugly kind of stuff and, and we're a stolen season because – 
the, the last three seasons, we've we have seen this kind of offense, and the defense can play awesomely, and we get two hundred sacks over like four seasons. That's heaps good. That's great. But when it comes to the playoffs, we can't get one. So it's like it's it's, it's a different. Um, it's a, it's a flip of the coin where it's like one side we're really great and awesome, and the other side we're doing nothing, absolutely nothing. And you know, you go to you go to Raider territory down in Las Vegas now. You go all the way there and you lose by thirty. You versus the Eagles in week three or whatever it was a few few years ago, we lose by thirty. Um, th- these games that we we need to to play and, and turn up and show up and, and, and win and, and comp- play competitively, um, they don't do that. And that's the culture at this moment. There's no no real leadership in that locker room that says we all know Big Ben's a great player, but he's not really a leader. Um, they need someone to to you know step up, shake them by the shoulder pads, and say, look, wake up, you're a Pittsburgh Steeler. You've got the the fan base around you. You've got great coaches around you. You've got everything around you to, for you to succeed. And when you lay a duck egg like that, twenty eight to zero versus the Browns, Browns are a good team. They're, they're doing good, but we we let that game just go away. And that was what's most painful. I'm still painful. I I I can't like the Browns are playing tomorrow. Ravens today. I want to watch it because it's good football, but it's so hard to watch without without us being there. Yeah, and but this. This is this is the, 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 the such the hard part about it, and this is why we talk about a stolen season. Like, what's the point? Like, quite frankly, what's the point in getting two hundred and eight? I think it's two hundred and eight sacks over the four seasons. I think that was, if I remember correctly, from the Scobro show this week. Well, the Stack Geek shows, Dave Stack Geek show. Now, if the Steelers ranked in the top ten, but not first in sacks, and we won the Super Bowl, gee, the, the fan base would be, <laughs> we'd all be a lot more happier right now. Mm. You know, we'd be a lot more happy right now. It doesn't matter that we got 208 sacks if you're not going to make a sack in a playoff game and you're not going to win a Super Bowl. It, it doesn't does make a difference. You know, so it it, it this is what I, when we say stolen season, it doesn't make a difference that, that the offensive line kept Ben upright for, I think it's the lowest sacks he's ever been sacked for in a season. Like I think he got sacked, there were 14 sacks this offensive line let through. You know, Ben got sacked 13 times. Does that matter if you don't win? Those things matter if you do win, but if you don't win, what, like, what's the point? You know, we've got like these great players that we bring in, like, you know, TJ Watt led the league in his 15 sacks. That's really important for us going forward if we keep him. But does it matter when that we've got three, three wide receivers of the 800 that, you know, caught over 800 receiving yards? Yeah, that matters because it shows that our offense was doing something. But for Juju Smith-Schuster particularly getting that many yards, he's leaving next year. He's out. Did he win a Super Bowl with the Steelers? No, he didn't. Did they? Did he win a playoff game with the Steelers? No, he didn't. So, this is the this is the thing that's really difficult, and this is what fans need. I think that we all, as fans, and you know, you and I, are lucky we get this forum with a microphone. You know, that's what we need to be thinking about. That all these great things they don't matter, and that's what this off season's about. You know, is you know what are we doing to make it matter next season? We, you know, and the re- where you know we got the idea for the theme of this week's show about the stolen season. You saw this year J.J. Watt go up to Deshaun Watson and say, I'm sorry for wasting one of your years. That's what it felt like with this team because there are a bunch of guys leaving. I mean, Ben said it countless times. He came back, you know, to win championships for Pouncey and Cameron Haywood and Joe Hayden and those guys. We That's wasted. That's wasted now, you know. Like, Ben might not be back. So this is where – this is what the real big, you know, considerations got to be this offseason is we don't want another wasted season. We, we can't afford it. It's the same as the last three years, really. Even when Big Ben went down, that was kind of kind of troublesome. But I just get that feeling that there's, there's something we, you know, we're, we can be a great team and we have great 
um, skill position position players and stuff like that. All that jazz. We love. We went. We went twelve and four this season, and we won the AFC North. But the way how we ended it was incredible. So we did. We you know lived in our fears and like eleven and I were the worst team in history. That came true. That really came true. And we sat here a few weeks ago, a few months ago, saying, "Nah, nah, we're the, we're pretty good. We're the best. We're really good. We got a big band farm. Pick your poison. We got the greatest defense. I named all the characters in the defense. And then you go one and five in your last game." Yeah, there's something that has to. You know, the, you know, the worst part is we only get the 24th pick. We really should be getting the 10th pick because that's how that's how poorly we we played near the end. So uh, we've got a, we've got a super chat, Manny, coming up. We do, we do, we do. I, I, I let's. I wanted us to get that, get that, that little bit <laughs> off our chest, you know. Um, but yeah, we've got one from Absolute Regular, big fan of the show, Snowman. Five dollars in the tip jar there with this super chat. What do you think of Matt Canada being named offensive coordinator? Mark, I'll give you I'll give you first dibs at this one. I, I don't know too much about the bloke, to be honest. He's only been there about what one year or so. Um he was under Finkner. I'm glad I'm glad that Finkner is gone. I like was with the, the play calling, surely there can be something more creative and you can do your things a lot better in the run game, pass game, blocking game. There's something that he wasn't doing. I called that what play versus the Browns when they did they, uh, they did it the second time. And you're like, what? Why? I can I can see this. If I can see this, the Browns can see it. They motioned the tight end backwards. It worked the first time, and that was the first time they gave the ball to what? Excuse me. They gave the ball to what the first time, like in, in a year. Gets the first down, but then like a few plays later, they use what again in the exact same formation, and the exact same play. And the Browns are going to go, you know, they're going to oh oh my god, we're going to see this, and all right, we got him, we got him, and then Pouncey got pushed back. Um, there was no creativity in that offense at all. Um, there's similar plays with the two wide sets. They, they, they've done it a million times now. That didn't work. Offensive line goes down the field. We, they get a penalty. Uh, look, if you and I can see it, and I don't know too much about X's and O's, but if I can see what's going to happen or I think what player or I can predict which player is going to get the ball, that's a huge problem, and I'm glad that's addressed. But I kind of feel it's the same thing like now as well. With the stolen season, if you kind of knew Randy was bad going into the season, you just wasted that season having Randy there the whole time. What you knew. Let me, let's save Randy <laughs> after this super chat because, mate, I'm going to absolutely tee off on that one. So let's just <laughs> let's. I mean, for me, with Matt Canada, two things. I mean, obviously, there's the and a couple of guys in the live chat um, have said it there. You know, he was interviewing. You know, the Dolphins wanted him as well. I actually don't think this has been certified yet with Matt Canada. I think they still have to bring in stuff to do an interview. It's not been officially done yet because they haven't um, under the Rooney rule with a offensive or defensive coordinator. You have to interview at least one minority candidate. So whilst he might be the pick, they still have to go through that process. Um, unless there's something in the last sort of hour that I've seen differently that might have gone on in news that have come out. But the thing about Canada is if we look at what the fan base has been sitting there, we've had Ben sit in the pocket and what have you. Canada, you know, is this, he runs a sort of offense where you would really enjoy a running quarterback or a quarterback can who can run when needed, you know, like a, like a Josh Allen. So if anything, and obviously the game's going that way. I mean, we're seeing that through college football. Every quarterback that's coming through has got some ability to, you know, to, to run, you know, to run the football and rush. So if anything, I think for Steelers fans out there, you look at if Matt Canada is going to be the offensive coordinator and we are going to do a lot more of this jet, these jet motions and sweeps and what have you, 
I'm, I'm really open to seeing what that does because at the end of the day, we're going to have the of, of turnover in this offensive line and, and we'll get through that in today's show. Also, when it was working early in the season, Deontay Johnson was doing well. Chase Claypool was doing well. Those guys are back next year. You know, it, it's something that I think we should all be really open to. And at the end of the day, can it be much worse than Randy Land? And if it is, if it is worse, we'll get a really high draft pick who might who might be our next future franchise quarterback. Do you think, Maddie, that with Canada's offense, I get this feeling they're going to use McFarlane more and they have to use the running backs more in the backfield and um, draws, maybe like some screens that actually work, um, pushing the pocket forward. Like they have to get them involved where they can get the underneath routes and get like five or six yards. And that's going to set up the short passing game or long passing game because we had no running game this year whatsoever. We had no identity with the running game, being 32nd in the league, which was the lowest. And maybe that's like another reason why we didn't go very far in the playoffs, because all the NFL said to us, you need a running game to succeed. And that's shown. Like, it's just it's just amazing that we, we the, the culture with our running game since the days of Bettis and, and blokes like that, Willie Parker and even Mendehall for a little bit, like they... We're getting big, big carries, and now it just—it's nothing. Like it's—it's it's yeah. so. I don't know if we need to draft a running back, um, but I think we need to get some play calling where it gives our it gives our players a chance. Like, do you think like Canada's going to use their running running game a lot? Uh, in better for worse, you know. The thing about a running game is like, I mean, for all we know, and most of us would argue with what I'm about to say, even I'm an argue I'm about to say, in terms of <laughs> Randy Land might have had the best running game ideas in the world, right? I mean, I don't think he did. But at the end of the day, the offensive line, there's no holes. Like if there's no space to run, like quite frankly, like if, if you, you're not going to run into a brick wall, you're going to run through the doorway. You know, and it's the same thing there. Like there was, there was no holes coming off that offensive line. Like the offensive line was trying to hold players and turn and create holes instead of going to that second level. And that's just—it's it, very hard for that to work in this day and in this day and age in the NFL. And you know, I, yeah. So I'm interested to see what Matt Canada can do with that, with that, with that rushing offense. That's a good point, though. I remember one of the, one of the analysts for the Steelers maybe said that might have been when that big touch bloke said. What they were doing was was pushing and turning, whereas that might have worked with a Le'Veon Bell, someone who's more elusive. But for a Snell runner, he needs to get that open lane, and he, he never saw had any vision towards that. And we didn't. The reason I think we we both even said last week we had to start Dotson, and they started Fowler. Nothing against Fowler, like oh, he's probably an awesome player, but with Dotson, how well he was playing, you shouldn't have you shouldn't have brought him off the off the field. You 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 had him for uh, a bit of push, and he's a big fella. Next to Pouncey, those two could really put uh, move that pocket and then have chances to move the ball, but they never did that. And I saw so many plays like that where they would just grab them, turn. Maybe that's a technique, but yeah, there was well, you're getting zero yards, two yards, and they didn't even yeah. run. They run it. They run it once in this because I was so they were down by so much, but they ran it once in the second half. Like it's crazy for us to, to say that, and now the NFL was like. Like they're laughing at us, really. Like if we haven't got zero run game, and they don't respect that, then then you're gonna get targeted on on the on the receiving game. But but you're exactly right there. Like when you look at Le'Veon Bell, I mean, it, you don't have to be. I mean, this just makes sense from a physics point of view. If you're gonna turn and create that gap, and he's gonna sit there because remember he'd always sort of take that he'd sort of step and see where the gap is and then go through it. Mm. Well, 
you don't have the, the James Connor's a different running back. So if the offensive line's gonna just turn and there's no gap, he's gonna get stifled either whether it's through the interior defensive line of the other team, their outside linebackers, or that the pressure that those guys are turning those holes and they're just getting absolutely smashed. But it's so predictable. Like you talked about that, like picking the plays. Like you and I, like literally, um, for all those listening um live right now, listen to our, to the audio podcast. Mark and I were typing the same message. It's going to what right now? We were literally typing the same message. And at the same time, I had the Slack channel up and I could definitely see that there were two other people from BTSC saying exactly the same thing. Everyone can pick it. <laughs> and we're not, we're not the Browns who are technically why they're Browns are the Browns, oh. quote unquote. Um, they, at the end of the day, they're a professional football team. Yeah, it was the, the formation though. You just knew the formation and the, the, the down was, what, third and one or something? And you couldn't do a five-wide set. You couldn't do a sneaky halfback draw. You couldn't, you know. And we can even go into um, what was stolen from us was you the fourth and one. I think you have to go for that. Like, that's a, a big point in the game where you're down by 12. I think you have to go for the fourth and one. It's only one yeah. yard. You have to get it. You don't, put your, you, don't put, you don't put our best player out there, Barry, um, to punt the ball away. Which he might be gone this 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 year too. I reckon he's gone. Yeah, he's gone. <laughs> but but one hundred percent it. How do you not go for them for the one? And I, I can't remember on which show it was this week, but they they said it, and it, it's hard for us because you know we come sort of they were the last show of the week, you know, almost yeah. unless there's a preview game. So not anymore sort of, though, not anymore with the off season. I think we'll be the we can almost be the first. We can we'll be up first. We're on a Sunday. Yeah. Um, well, we're well, we're on a Sunday anyway over here. You know, down under. 14 hours away, but, um, <laughs> but th- there was that sort of f- phrase there around, you know, ah, oh, I lost my train of thought there, Mark, <laughs> you got me on that one, but like, oh, we're talking, talking about the fourth and one with, uh, yes, 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 that's, right. It, that's right. Dave said it. Um, I think it was in the, in the post game show, Mike Tomlin sits around there and says, don't live in your fears. If you don't live in your fears, you go for it on fourth and one. Yeah. Like I, I think every time, every time, like, and, it's interesting, and I want to move on to some of the news of the news of the week. But the news of the week actually has me really fired up because Mike Tomlin, the loss isn't, and this is going to be controversial. And I reckon we're going to get a few chats here when I'm going to say this loss is less on Tomlin as it is on the players that went out there. Like at the end of the day, he doesn't snap the ball, he doesn't miss tackles, like he doesn't get burned like Mike Hilton got absolutely burned by Jarvis Landry. He doesn't throw interceptions. That's not on Mike Tomlin. Equally, if his if his coordinators are going to call the plays, that's on them. Randy Land, he's been the one that's been calling the plays apart from Ben. Um, at times, that's on Randy Land, as far as I'm concerned. But what I am happy about is the news that we've got this week, which you know most people will be aware of. Randy Land gone, Sean Surrett gone, Tyler um, Bradley's gone. You know, we want to probably keep Terrell Austin. We hope he doesn't get that you know defensive coordinated job um, over at the Titans. The um, Titans coach, last name Daniels, he's he's retiring. But the best news of the week, Randy Land, who is the class action park one of, of offensive coordinators. And for everyone out there in the, in the US, you probably know what I'm talking about there. I just recently watched the documentary on, you know, class action park. But, you know, absolutely diabolical. Randy Land shut the gate, closed down, being bulldozed. See you later, Pittsburgh. And I do have to say, from all accounts, he's a really nice bloke, but he's not an offensive coordinator. And as you said, Mark, they're with Canada. As you said, they're with Canada. We do not have to see Randy Land anymore. 
winning. Well, with Randy, you know, he's probably a great bloke, and I'd buy him a beer. Uh, actually, he should buy us two yeah, beers. Yeah, he should buy you and I a beer. Man. Like he probably he probably is, but from what we know throughout the past few seasons, it just wasn't working. It was you know there were, there were really some great highs. Like we had some great touchdowns, and, and some of the plays you go, wow, you got that to Washington or Claypool's in there. Um, but there's some really sketchy calls where you're like, why are you running this play? Like at at, at third and two or at the goal line, you can't get the snail into the goal line. The, the thing that frustrates me the most with, I, like, I love Tomlin and I love what he's been doing and he's never had a losing season and all that kind of stuff. That's cool. That's great. Um, there are some critics uh, over Tomlin, but the thing I find about Tomlin is you have all those speeches, fantastic. But then you don't, you, the preparation for, this, for the whole week and then you come out like that. And that's happened so many times. So it's getting to the point now where it's like we have to nip this in the butt and you have to just go out there and play. I don't care if you lose. If you go out there and even like the Jets this year, they went two and fourteen. But the last last few few games, they they won. They had a they had a great performance and they were winning. So, but you do all that preparation, and this is their job. This is what they, this is their livelihood. This is what they do. Tomlin does this for a living, and you can't get the fourth and one, or you can't get your fellows to get rolled up and like they do that. Like uh, you know, the the wee ride, and they get everyone fired up, and then. It turns to dust. <laughs> but, that, but yeah, no, no, you're totally right. And But that's what inspires me about the idea that, that they're saying it's not good enough from Randy Land. It's not good enough from Sean Surratt. It's not good enough from um, from Badley. It's not good enough, you know, um, from Keith Butler. He's only doing a one-year deal, and I know he's older toward the end of his coaching career. But if people have got a, people are going to question Tomlin and, and fair enough in doing it because they're not winning in a convincing way. And at the end of the day, we're not, we're not winning. Like we haven't got a Super Bowl in the last decade. We haven't won a playoff game in five years. Like we're not winning, you know, so it doesn't matter what Ben or, you know, you know, particularly will say about that either. We are not winning. But the, what I like about Tomlin is this shows that he's got a bit of fight in him. This shows that he's going, you know, what well, we, this isn't good enough. Um, I need to change. We need to change. It's not working. He said things to that effect in this week's press conference. What for me, the thing about Tomlin as well is that um, in a completely different sport, I'm a, a, a you know occasionally when I watch the you know the English Premier League soccer, I support Arsenal, and they had a coach for 20 years that regularly got them into the Champions League, top four place year after year. Since he's gone, they're middle of the ladder. You know, at the start of this season, they were going to get knocked out of the league. So I understand the criticism of Tomlin um, and he deserves a lot of it, but the idea of Tomlin leaving, we could end up with a lot worse a coach. So what? that's why I'm saying I think it's really awesome that we've seen Randy Land shut down, bulldozed, see it, never be reenacted again. Sean Surrett goes. He's been there a long time. Couldn't be that heir apparent to Mike Munchak. Um, you know, we're starting to see this turnover. So I think that's a good thing. You know, things go to the, go to the you know, um, when stuff hits the fan, it's good to re, you know, take restock, rethink, recharge, get it right. Look, Mark- look at this one, Matty. Peggy, let me try and pronounce this last name. Peggy Pitson Barger from uh, Facebook. That's a say, great it, say it point. Scottish. Say it Scottish. It might sound like Pittsburgh. Scottish. Penny- Pitson Barger. <laughs> <laughs> that was a terrible Scottish accent. She, by the way. she makes a great point. It's like they were using us for practice. Like, yeah, and that's what it looked like. Because even in that Browns game, when uh, they, uh, the offense, oh sorry, our defense, that first drive, they were they doing warm ups? Was no one tackling? Was like, but they said on the board, oh. But this is it. Like, you, and you talk about Randy. Let's talk about Randy Land a little bit more. There was one thing I wanted to mention before. If Randy Land 
was such a good quarterbacks coach. How come when Ben's out last year, there was all this talk about Mason not having a dedicated quarterbacks coach? Well, obviously Randy was out of his depth there because he couldn't structure an offense around a quarterback. That is literally what you've done in your whole career. And I know I'm simplifying it, but at the end of the day, he couldn't do it for them. He had the offensive mind to think that Devlin Duck Hodges was going to beat the Buffalo Bills in week 15 of the 2019 season instead of Mason Rudolph. That, that was never going to happen. So I, I just, it, this is the thing. And then, then you look at the comment that Peggy just brought up. They looked like they were using us for practice. We were the we were the Browns and they were the Pittsburgh Steelers. They played our game. They turned up to play. They capitalized on mistakes. They held strong to the end. You know, that was the Pittsburgh Steelers performance rather than what we played, which was like the Browns. Oh yeah. If if we were if we made that 28 nil, we would be like we'd be so happy. And you know, 7 nil, 40 nil, like we'd be the happiest of all all people in the world, like for their Steelers. But I, I don't know. I think it's a really, really big, big culture thing that's got to change. And Tomlin did make some good decisions with it with our coaches now, getting rid of Randy. Even now, if if Matt Canada isn't that good, it doesn't really matter because we've got a fresh start, and we got we got to build on that. And I think I think as well, like next year in twenty twenty one, draft some cool players, get things going. But I think you have to like one mentality. I want to change, and we can talk about this maybe in the in the future as well. I think we need some statement wins. We need we know how like with Tomlin yeah. he doesn't the yeah. score up anymore we have to do that we have to beat someone by 48 to nil or we have to just keep going because we, we, we play up to a competition and we, we say oh they're really hard team we play up and we just win by seven or something or we play down to our competition a lot and now I, I like i've been a fan for a bit and i was like oh no we don't do that but we really do looking at like the last four or five years now it, it happens so many times where if the raiders stink and they're two and eleven we played to a 2-11 team like we did the Bengals and even Washington. Uh, we're a solid team, but they, we – I don't know. There needs to be some form of energy where they're like, okay, you're all great players. Just don't worry about the other team. They keep doing your craft. Keep pushing as hard as you can and, and, and put the score up like the Ravens do. The Ravens don't stop in the preseason. They put on 50 on people if they want to. But so this, something has to change. I, I agree with you. And you know what? You know why I agree with you? I don't want to be sitting here and hopefully we've still got this fan from on BTSC and, you know, every, you know, we'll be doing our how many hundredth show by then. I don't want to be sitting here in two, three, five years time. And because quite frankly, the Browns are going to keep a fairly good, a decent team now. You know, they're not going to be the Browns that we've seen over the last 15 years. The Ravens are always there with us. And the Bengals, if they get a couple of offensive linemen and they keep some of the young wide receivers they've got with Joe Burrow, you know, all things being equal, they're going to be really successful. I don't want to be sitting here and go, the Steelers missed the postseason because we didn't rack up enough points or we didn't, you know, beat certain teams by certain margins to, you know, get tiebreakers and whatever. Because that's the thing. And in Jeffrey Benedict talked about this really well on Know Your Enemy this week. The AFC North is arguably going to be the, if it's not already, and I think it is, the most competitive division in the NFL. You can't afford to you know, beat a team by one or two points here and there because that actually might cost you getting into the playoffs with a wild card spot down the track. So and you're right, though, but on those statements, statement wins. Us as a fan base, we need to see that. We need to see team. We need to see the Steelers put it to the sword because it's exactly what you said before, and it's what Peggy said about them. We, we look like you know we were their practice squad, or you said it, Mark, they didn't turn up to play. We don't know how to put a team to the sword. How are we going to be mentally, 
mentally aggressive, mentally tuned when it comes to the playoffs. We we're not we don't have that killer instinct. And to win in the NFL, you need that killer instinct. Well, here's a good point, Maddie. Do you think in the AFC North rankings, because the AFC North now is quite a talented spot with the Ravens of who they are, they've got they've got the killer instinct, and they want to you know that they will put fifty on a buy. Um, they will do everything to win, and they've that see that you know with Wang Harms, he's like that's nickname uh, BTS game. But where do the Pittsburgh Steelers rank in the AFC North? Because I'm I'm thinking it's fourth. It feels like it's fourth at the moment because we didn't didn't make it. Like the Bengals are are getting better, and if they do have some like someone just said in the, in the live chat there that receiver Deont Deont Smith or that bloke one of the, the higher price. Uh, receivers, if he goes yeah. to the Bengals and Joey Burrow is a good good quarterback and has some more help in the offensive line, they're playing competitively how we versed them this year. Where and, and Steelers with Big Ben now, he's on his 18th season and it didn't work th- this year. Do we rank fourth if the Browns keep to go? You know, if the Browns win um, tomorrow, are we the worst in the division? It certainly feels like a little bit like that. What do you reckon? Yeah, like that—that's a great question. I, well, you know, the the right answer is to say whoever wins each year is the best team in the division, <laughs> <laughs> right? Well, but, so next year we got sorry. Next year we got like all the hard teams, and we'll be we'll have we'll have less talent. <laughs> Look, I, I'm someone that believes you should always win, but if you're if you're the sort of fan that goes, you know what? We haven't won in a decade. I'm I'm willing to sacrifice another season. You know, it's only a tenth of what I've dealt with for a decade in not winning a Super Bowl. You go, all right, I'm going to get thrashed by everyone and draft my next franchise quarterback with a really high pick with great guys on defense with experience. You know, Chase Claypool in his third year, Deontay in his fourth year. You know, you're sort of sitting there going, you know, Dotson in his third year, a couple of the offensive guards that they'll probably draft this season's draft. You know, you probably go, that sets me up for a franchise win like we did the season before we drafted Ben. So um, <laughs> there's a silver lining in every scenario. But And it's brought in right up in the in the live chat. I mean, hypothetically, four teams from the AFC North could make the playoffs now with the seven teams that are allowed. Yeah. I mean, hypothetically, you know, and this is an interesting thing that the NFL is going to have to answer because, you know, that's that's very difficult for their footprint all over the country and different fans. So it's... um. It's pretty interesting from that perspective. But look, Mark, before we wrap up part one, anything else that you wanted to just say and air out after last week's performance? You and I have had to hold this up for almost a week. You know, it's it's, it's been tough and you can probably hear it in in my emotions. I'm, I just need to get it all out there, get it off the chest, go into the off season, which we've already started and start getting things right for 2021. Yeah, I think we did pretty well when airing our grievances and stuff like that. Uh, this the biggest issue I find is now the culture. Something needs to change. Uh, these players, and I know they're all professionals, and I, I've never played football, and I'm the one saying this, but they know this. They have to just turn up, um, you know, and muscle out muscle someone, out outthink someone, be like Troy, like do something creative like that. Um, you can't you can't watch other players make plays. You've got to make plays. Mike Hilton got burnt on that n- number eighty, and I I called that as well. Uh, there's just something. Mate, I just want to pick up on that. I want to pick up on that. Mike Hilton, and I'm sorry because I just <laughs> I had to get that off my chest. Yeah, mate. <laughs> but Mike Hilton, we talk about re signing him, and I'm not disputing he's done such great things all year. 
But speed at the cornerback position is really important. You can't teach speed. That's that's in any sport around the world. You cannot teach speed. You either have it or you don't. You can get faster. You can get more endurance, but you cannot teach raw speed. On raw speed, Mike Hilton's 40-yard dash time is 0.22 of a second faster than Jarvis Landry. He got burned on that play. Now, I know other things went on in that play from a schematics point of view, but I'm not re-signing Mike Hilton at plus six, $7 million, which is what some teams will pay him to get burned like that against Jarvis Landry twice a season or three times a season if they make the playoffs. So, but that that's just my little 10 cents on Mike Hilton. That certain play though, with the motion, or maybe we, maybe with our motion with Matt Canada, we might get that. But I think everyone's, everyone saw that. Once they motioned uh, uh, Jarvis Landry at the backfield number 80, you almost knew that he was going to cut back or you knew he was going to be involved in that play. Just the way that how it was set up, and you had Mike Hilton on the run, and by the time Hilton got there, he set the ball so quick, and then Mike Hilton was off his feet, and he's he's wide open. So that's that's something that you know they they use our game. We we should have been doing that. Hopefully, we do that in the future where we can move players around and get the um, defensive thinking. So yeah, to wrap everything up and like how this season has gone, like for me, it's like he went eleven and zero, fantastic, first time in like in history that we've done that. But then how do you go one and five? You just you just can't do that. That's something that doesn't happen. Um, and we are, this would be one, you know, the stolen season. This would be historically one of the worst seasons I think we've had. At the same time, we, it was a great season. So it's like, yeah, are we on a roller coaster? Like, I don't, I really don't know. Um, but I think next year, what, what will make me so happy in the first game, even preseason, but the first game is would holding someone under 10 and us getting 30 to 40, like 35 points. Because you yeah, we to want to change. see those wins. Yeah, oh, let's see those wins, mate. I, 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 you've, got to, <laughs> you've got to change some, something. I don't know. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> but for all the live listeners there, we're only going to take a quick second break. For all those of you on the audio platforms, that wraps up part one. Stay tuned for part two. We look forward to joining you there.